That'll be really impressive on the <laughs> recording. I'll, I'll be back to present next year, I'm sure. <laughs> okay. Forgive me, guys. All right, here we go. I apologize. I apologize. Oh, oh, most important book I can recommend is Facing Codependency by Pia Melody, a fantastic book. Um, anybody can read it. Anybody can understand it. Um, it's multiple generations. Get it for yourself, for your loved one, for whoever you are in this workshop for. <laughs> We're going to talk about group dynamics, organizational culture, codependency, fear, self-victimization, uh, behavior is always a, a behavior, motivation, being in the flow, positive reinforcement, multiple intelligences, self-awareness, and then our own personal boundaries, our responsibility to this whole thing. Okay. Um, so in a nutshell, um, what are your boundaries? Do you know what your boundaries are? <laughs> um, and then uh, can you share them in a non-confrontational way? The art of gentle confrontation. So we'll also talk about uh, resources, uh, the, the wise people that I listen to that I think are the best, and then a little bit of self-reflection too. Okay. So these are the best resources I know. These are my go-tos, right? And I, I recommend them. So if you've ever heard of the book Simple Abundance, um, it's, uh, you, you start over each year. I, I use it. It's great. Carolyn Miss, I recommend you take a look at her work, M-Y-S-S. Um, Seth Godin, I, I can't see your all faces, so I just have to uh, assume I'm not putting you all to sleep. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> um, and I know I can't point at the screen because then I just get my finger in your face and that's, that's where you are and I have to use just words. And so this two-dimensional thing is a different, different world. But Strong-Willed Child, Love and Logic, uh, Gail Sheehy's Passages. She's got several versions of it now um, as she has aged. She's taking it from uh, different ages of life. Um, and the passion, uh, there is somebody that I, I, I don't know if you all need to mute yourself for the kids stuff. That might make a difference. I can only see a few here to, to help you out. Okay, awesome. Um, passion paradox and then the passion trap. And that's not just for a love relationship. The, a short version of that book, and it's one of my favorite go-tos, is that in any relationship in life, you're never actually going to be totally in, in balance and synchronization. You're always going to have somebody that, and it's going to, a good relationship will kind of just teeter-totter just a little bit. But if you have one that goes like that, that means somebody's really a leg up and somebody else is really a leg down. And what's happening there, um, classic fried green tomatoes, if you've ever seen that movie, where she's trying to get, she's trying to chase after something to try and so hard and he doesn't care because he places no value on it, right? And so then she goes out and finds, and what the book says is find other things to do. Quit hyper-focusing on this thing that isn't working out the way you want to. You have no control over that. Go out and live your life. Find things that you're passionate about. Do what you love with your life. Uh, and then, then you will start to rise in your attraction, laws of attraction kind of stuff too, right? Then you'll start to live your life to be your full, fullest potential, and this person will drop down less significant because they have you have no control over them anyway. They don't really they don't really matter in who you are and your power and your personal empowerment. And pretty soon they're going to go, Hey man, look how attractive that person is because they don't need me. <laughs> this person is not needy anymore. They are strong. They're living their life. They're doing all that they wanted to with their life. They are living with the fewest regrets. See, the way I want to be an old lady is I want to be sitting in my rocking chair with the fewest number of regrets in life, the fewest number of shoulda, coulda, wouldas, that I've lived my life to the, 
to fulfill everything that I wanted it to be and could and had control over, right? Because there's lots of things we have no control over. So that's this passion paradox. And what we, it, it fits in the kind of one of the concepts of behavior, no matter what age of child or how tall the child is <laughs> that you're working with is you water the flowers. You water the flowers in your life, not water the weeds. This is the weeds. Oh, poor me. This person doesn't love me. As, I don't get as much attention anymore. Well, screw that. Go water the flowers. Water your flowers. And so pretty soon you will start to rise in your own eyes and your own heart and soul and this is a weed. And now, if it comes back up like this, that's great. You know, they say you cannot say the wrong thing to the right person. And I would hope that you all would have long and lasting, wonderful relationships of all kinds. But this person should not control this person, right? In other than employee kind of a thing and a parent child. But even then, depending on the age of the child, my kids go up and down here like this. And so, I've got a, a child in college that I parent 180 degrees differently than I parent John, the little boy in the spectrum that's rising eighth grade. That's really why I'm doing most of these is because of what I've learned from him. Um, but this child also, my older one, uh, we've, we've worked through, so I'm a parent with skin in the game, a parent professional with skin in the game of gender, and um, single parenting, and um, the, their dads died of cancer, uh, so grief and trauma, um, autism spectrum, every learning inefficiency. My older one is the uh, raising, uh, rising Ophelia, happy-go-lucky girl that has turned um, into, we had um, issues of self-harming, cutting, depression, uh, all the bad things that can happen, everything but the plan, and transgender, and now is right, just graduated from chemistry at Reed College. So these kids have taken me into these journeys, and so that's this is my survival map, uh, 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 roadmap here that I'm sharing with you guys, okay? So we have to know what our personal boundaries are, and once we know what they are, then we have to figure out a way to articulate them to people and share them in a way that doesn't cause, they might cause a little bit of friction. You have to speak your truth. But if I'm being codependent and I'm pretzel, twisting myself into a pretzel to try to make somebody happy, then I'm not winning anything. And I'm right back to being codependent. So I stand before you today as a recovering codependent and I'm sharing with you all the books and all the things that I've learned toward building the best positive communication that you can in your life with your kids, with your colleagues, with yourself, with the world. So we do want to focus on healing and gratitude, right? On sacrifice. You all make sacrifices, but we we're learning with this COVID thing that sacrifice can be a helps us find our purpose that if everything is a mountain, then there's no valleys, then there's, we never really grow when everything is easy. It's through the hard times when our character is formed. Uh, I know this sounds a little bit like Pollyanna, but it's, we are different people when we go through the crucible. You all have your own version of a crucible, and my heart goes out to you for that. And um, sometimes we share that, and sometimes we don't. But it does make us a better person, a different person. We have to face our fears. And so uh, whenever um, people are afraid to try something new or, or there's any negative emotion that comes up, let's say that all of a sudden I'm on social media too much and I've got fear of missing out and I'm looking at everybody's personal, the best of their lives, right? And I'm thinking, my life doesn't match up with that. And um, I, I'm, I, I have envy. Well, if you take all of, all of the bad emotions and you peel them off like layers of an onion, you know what you get down to at the very bottom? What's that kernel that's causing all the trouble? It's fear. What am I afraid of? Am I afraid that I'm going to not live the best life? Am I gonna, afraid that I'm going to lose a particular relationship that I'm trying to hang on to with, with, with fingers and fingernails? Well, if we go back to that, that codependency, that passion paradox, then if I'm trying to hang on desperately by being so needy to this, whichever relationship this is, 
that's up here that I need, the only way I'm going to get back to any kind of, of um, balance is that I got to work on myself, what I have control over, what I, how I find my joy and my peace and me being aware of my codependency and stop that. Stop being so codependent. Quit trying to please everybody. Do you please yourself? Do you feel happy when you put yourself to bed at the end of the day? Do you lay there and sleep? Uh, I mean, not sleep and worry about things and, oh, I wish that I should have been better or I should have done something differently. Or can you face it and say, all right, tomorrow I'll try again. I do this with my kid all the time. If we have any kind of a difficulty during the day, and sometimes he's the one that triggers it, we need to start over. We need to try again. So I do that at a kid-parent relationship. So maybe in your classroom, you might have that where, hey, classroom, hey, kids, we're just going to start all over right now. Whatever's just happening, right? Your classroom management, when these kids come back to your classes after all this time at home, oh, my goodness, you think classroom management was important before, Right? Setting proper groundwork uh, for the, 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 the community of your rule, the uh, learning rules of your little classroom, your little domain, your little empire there, helping them know what the boundaries are. They have to jettison what they're walking in your door with, right? Over which you have no control. So anyway, understanding all of that is a uh, Starting over can be a good thing, and there's no rule that says we can't start over and just forget the bad stuff. What just happened? We're gonna we're gonna change our boundaries. We're gonna water the flowers. We're gonna de breathe deeply, and um, we're gonna make the most of the situation. There's another whole thing on behavior, which is different than what we're talking about here. So this is really more kind of like adult, like level as opposed to working with kids. So that's more of what I'm talking about in the behavior chunk. Um, Self-victimization, oh, we got, I got to watch that. So I'll just personalize it toward me. I won't say you all, okay? But self-victimization is um, it's insidious. It's like quicksand that comes and kind of grabs us by the ankles and starts to pull us down. And we feel like, oh, I'm missing out, or that person isn't treating me nice enough, or, or, or poor me, right? Well, that's not going to get me anywhere. Poor me isn't going to get me anywhere. One of the strengths of Carolyn Miss's work, and Eckhart Tolle is awesome also, he, they're coming up in further slides, is that she said, um, so uh, you're, uh, stop being upset by what somebody said 10 years ago. You're giving away all your power to some sentence that somebody threw in your direction 10 years ago, and your life is, you're letting, you're giving them the power to let your life sour because of something they don't even remember. They're not even on your horizon anymore. Let it go. All right. Co-parenting. That's a big thing. Um, whether you're separated or still together. And then everything about caregiver. And we've got such a co-mingling right now with family and caregiver dynamics, right? Um, I, I'm sure you have it because you guys probably have kids at home. And my colleagues and I, and every time I get together with people on Zoom, it's always the, you know, how are we handling, how are we handling this kids still at home thing? Okay. So here's some more wise counsel. You can click on these links when, when I'm gone out of your life. Um, to, to help further your understanding or your curiosity. So let's talk about energetics of communication. So male energy and female energy. Um, so we've used up 10 minutes. Yikes. Um, so we all have a full spectrum of energy within our own being. So if you are, if you are working on your... Um, your taxes, or you're at the job, or you have to change the oil in your car, or anything that's got a, a, a male aversion to that, right? That's going to be, we all will be working in our male energy. But if 
I'm a female and I go home to someone and I still act with the same type of give and, give and take, then my, my male energy may clash with someone else's male energy or will clash with their type of energy. And so it, sometimes we just need to be aware of, am I in my, and, and men can have female energies, right? So men can have a, a be the, especially the wiser you all become, maybe the more wrinkly, the more attractive you become, um, you will be more aware of your feelings. And so you've heard this said, right? I can't be the first person that's mentioned to you all that there's a, a spectrum of energy that we all have. We all have some pieces of male energy and we all have some pieces of female energy. And if we can be aware, self-aware enough of whatever circumstance we are in, and these circumstances are a little bit more controlled and more limited right now, but someday we'll be back out in the world, right? And then we'll be entering into all these new opportunities to relate to each other. And we'll all be going through, let's see, we got to go through detox and all we've ever seen are screens. And now we're going back to micro expressions of things and trying to read the tea leaves of what is that person thinking, feeling, doing based on how I'm reading their 80% body language, right? which we don't have that now. I don't even get to see your faces, so I'm not. That's a missing missing element to it, right? Okay, so that's a little bit about energy. And now we have martyrdom. So let's talk about that martyrdom and that uh, self-victimization a little bit. Both of these are bad things, just saying, right? So as, um, and this might be here from a relationship of, I don't know if this is in your classroom or this is in your family or somebody else that you're looking at or maybe a parent. Um, uh, do I need to, is there somebody that needs to mute? I'll go ahead and mute you there. Okay. So um, uh, as time goes by, we start off with like, so here in this case, I, oh, sorry, not 20. Um, my, my child needs me for everything. I'm important. I am needed. My passion paradox is like, woohoo, this is great. Somebody needs me. Awesome. And then as that child develops and grows up, like my kid today, I've got a seventh grade boy that does not know how to be quiet for five hours while we're doing this. So I farmed him out. But I, I miss him. I missed him last night as soon as he left. I was also grateful for the quiet, but I missed him as soon as he left, right? So it's always this passion paradox of things up and down, yo-yoing back and forth. Um, so as, as our children in your classroom gain independence or someone that you're caring for gains ever more independence, or maybe it's the other way around if you're caring for your aging parents, flip this arrow the other way around, right? So there's no such thing as any relationship staying static. Just like there's no way that anybody's growth pattern, a kid's growth pattern never stays static. Our love languages evolve. Did you know that? The love languages of a child will, will be something you'll get used to. And at the love languages of teenagers, the main point, the one sentence book report of that book says, as soon as a child reaches that pre-puberty or end of puberty um, a set of chemicals, their brain is wired. They're neurally wired to reject that love language, to reject you, to push away against you. And that's where all the head knocking comes from, is you cannot avoid it. They're wired that way because otherwise they never undock from the ship. They never gain their independence. So... We have to be at peace with that constant change of our relationships up and down. But if we're still happy with our lives of what we're doing, then if this goes up or this goes down, we, we're still at peace with our minimizing codependency, with our uh, non-victimization, with our joy and our mindfulness and the mission that you have for your life, whether you think the world's given you a mission or whether you're given your mission to yourself. And then losing ourselves, right? So that arrow goes off to the, into the distance of, so if we lose ourselves to something, um, you are, your job is everything. And then all of a sudden, what? You're laid off. And you go, I'm just wandering around the house. I got nothing to do. No one needs me anymore. 
um, that can be a real um, barrier to our, our understanding our happiness. You've heard this. If what you are is what you do, then when you don't, you're not, right? And so we're rethinking our jobs. We're thinking, rethinking productivity. We're rethinking location. We're rethinking communication. We're even rethinking hugging. I mean, hugging and handshaking? How can that be gone, right? We're rethinking all of that stuff. Okay, so we can choose joy or martyrdom. We can choose what we have in our mind. We can choose what we water the flowers. What are the flowers that we're watering, right? Or if I take that water can and I'm off over here in the weeds, growing the weeds, well, then guess whose bad choice that was? There's only one person I have to blame for that. Me. All right, so anyway, whoever you're taking care of, Maybe you want them more, maybe you want them less. Maybe you wish they were still in your house. Maybe you cannot wait until they're gone. Maybe as soon as they're gone, you're going to lament that. So we go back to the living each day at a time, right? And um, we do have to face change. Uh, we have to face different types of independence. But, it, but if we let go of our happiness, if we let go of of why we're doing what we're doing, if, if we let go of our intrinsic motivation, then we've given our power away to someone else. And will they care for it as much as we do? Okay, so it doesn't mean that we want to let go, because sometimes we do. I tried to make a funny graph here. I can't see your faces to see if you're even laughing, but but sometimes we do like the limelight, right? Some people would just like attention seeking, right? You have the ones that, so uh, sensory integration, if you were talking about from a childhood level, the ones that want, that are sensory seeking, they're going to be the kids that are touching everything and dragging their hands along the hallway. They're trying to drown themselves or trying to, I want more data, feed me, see more, you know? I need more information. And, and that's kind of what I'm trying to say here is that we're not supposed to want the drama, but sometimes our self-esteem is fed by drama. And does that mean I'm taking responsibility for that? If I suddenly do say something that I go, oh, man, I, I need to apologize for that. Well, I'm lucky. I'm guilt-ridden more than... Uh, most. And so apologizing and by Meyer Briggs, I am an ENFP. So apologizing for me is really easy. I would rather apologize and keep the peace than be right. So I'm, it's very easy for me to say, wow, I am sorry. I was wrong. And I apologize. It's harder for me to let go of the guilt. That's what I'm working on. But if I, if I own it, I don't want to rationalize in my own head, well, that was their fault or this rationalization or really I'm okay because I will, my guilt will be more than it's worth. So I've actually gone out of my way to track somebody down. I have gone back through the drive through at McDonald's to apologize to that kid that I said something to that as soon as it popped out of my mouth the first time through the drive through I realized, oh, that sounds bad, girl. That sounds bad. I did not mean it bad, but he kind of like that, and I didn't know what to do, so I just went through. And I thought, I had guilt all day until I went back through, and I found that kid, and I apologized to him. But I felt better. <laughs> so I just cleared my deck. I don't know what he thought, probably some loony lady, but it was worth it. Okay, let's talk about risk-taking here, and this can be at any kind of level. All right, I just brought up everything. So um, you've heard this, lawnmower parents. Hello? You could be a lawnmower friend, right? So um, uh, the uh, idea there of, uh, you know, um, you, you stand back behind me, honey, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clear everything for you. That's raging codependence there. You don't have to worry about anything. I'll do it all. Helicopter micromanager right 
you're 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 trying to manage everything and you know you'll end up managing nothing you'll just make everybody run away from you um i talked to my kid john who's in rising eighth grade about his stemming his his stemming with his in learning independent uh, learning differences is a hum and i say john your friends will run away from you so I do it within a, a different context, right? It's not that harsh straight out of the box. But we need to watch out in our relationships. Am I a lawnmower kind of a relationship friend, uh, partner? Co they call them thought partners. I like that phrase. Am I a helicopter collaborator? That's not good either, right? Ooh, snowplow. Now, that link will take you to a New York Times article that talks about the, the evils of snow plowing, which means that you're bulldozing everybody around you and you're, you're, you're the opposite of fading your prompt. And so um, people are, you think people are going to want to be around a bulldozer, not for very long, right? Here's a link that you can take to some, uh, as if we're going back to the overparenting crisis, and I'm sure you have that in your life because you guys are all teachers, right, of some sort in the ISD. But you could also say, okay, not just overparenting, overfriending or overspousing or overkidding or overneighboring or whatever. Um, I think you can still apply the same concept. So there's a link to Harvard Business Review for that for you. Some other books that I've, I, I have gone to, I read more than I go to therapy. I've gone to a lot of therapists because of my kids. But uh, personally, I like the books and I go through them over and over. Um, so uh, we've talked already about the love languages of kids versus teenagers, right? Facing codependency, I still am. I'm trying to break through from that. It's that insidious you know, dendrites, uh, tangle, uh, vining around the ankles and it starts to pull you down and you go, wait, whoa, whoa, wait, uh, it's, that's how it feels when you're being codependent, when you're giving away your power. And I was listening to a podcast just last night and this, again, Carolyn Miss, M-Y-S-S. And she was saying that if you ever find yourself in any kind of a relationship, be it old, new, or been there all the time, um, or just now starting any kind of relationship, if you start to feel your power leaving you, or you which means you're basically going to have an instinct, a gut feeling of bad, I, I dread I dread this. I dread talking to that person. Then you are, you are just giving away your power. So how do you not do that, right? Um, we'll keep going through the slides, but this is what I'm talking about, that, that uh, when you, your, your power is either drifting away or seeping away, we have to fight codependence. It is insidious. It's sneaky. Once you get it, I mean, I, the people that are the, the, the lucky non-codependent, the people that don't care about how other people perceive them, I think, wow, what's life like that when you don't worry about what other people think of you? I mean, is that only going to happen to me when I'm an old lady? But it would be kind of, I'm trying to work through that, that, that balance of, I do care about what people think, right? I care what you all think. That if I can deliver content to you in this, we've only got 23 minutes left. If I can give you something that's worthy of your time, I care about that. Whereas maybe there would be some situations in life where, you, where people just say whatever they want, they don't care. Of the consequences, I mean, Damn, the consequences? How does somebody look like that? I don't know that feeling. Um, okay, back to con back on task. Sorry. Um, childhood Roots of oh, no, no. The Childhood Roots of Adult Happiness. Great book. Um, two of them fit right in your world, just saying. So in this book, uh, Dr. Hallowell talks about how uh, one of the 12 elements of a uh, connected childhood is responsibility contribute. So when you get the kids, whether you're um, uh, zooming them or you're, they're back or canvassing them or however you do that, they're back in your classroom, they need to feel responsible. They need to feel like they're contributing. If you let them, if you build this feeling in them, then you are actually building adult 
happiness. You're giving him childhood roots in this documentation here as he's done his research toward a happy adult life. So yay for you, do that. It may take time. Um, I can give you examples of what I've done and my, my blog and all that kind of stuff is filled with examples of my son, right? Uh, of, of how you have to build the neural pathways toward good choices and toward responsibility, taking risks, but it works. It works with him. It'll work with any kid. It'll generalize. I totally believe that in far transfer. Another thing that you do is you let them have opportunity to exercise ideas and information. So absolutely in school, okay? So um, I wish you could help me out with that dog thing. A pet, a family pet is one of the 12. So I got this poor old beagle that's catching the, you know, he, he deserves more attention than he's getting, but um, pets are one of the 12 too. Okay, so resilience. We always want resilience, right? Great book. Um, Okay, moving on. So here's a self-assessment you can take if you want. It it it's not just in a in a in a relationship with the uh, with your partner. It could work in the classroom, your teams of teaching, uh, the students you haven't met yet, the students that um, uh, come back to visit you in the classroom. I mean, anybody in your life. The love languages, I mean, they got a, quite a money-making machine there, right? They've got love languages of kids, work, dog, pets, everybody. So here's a little self-assessment you can take. Click on it, and it'll help you if you don't already know. Maybe you all know, and I can't see you, so I can't do a show of hands right now. But if you know it's words of affirmation or acts of service or receiving gifts or quality time or physical touch, but just because you're that doesn't mean the person that you are trying to improve your relationship with. They say that uh, the relationship coaches I listen to say, in relationship, the person with whom you are in relationship, um, they may not have the same. And so if we get out of whack, out of sync with that person or people, then you keep giving, you're not getting fed so you keep giving more of what you need, which is the opposite of what they want to receive. So we've got, we're back to the O. Henry, um, uh, the uh, gift of the Magi here, right? So if I wanted more quality time and I kept trying to get you to give that to me, but you really wanted to receive gifts from me, well, then we're not in the same parallel path at all. So that's a paradox. That's a quandary to work through. So if you don't know what their love languages are, um, you can ask. You can do this together in the classroom at a kid-modified version or within your family, right? Or huh, the next neighborhood cookout. I don't know. Just an idea, right? Okay, so I've just uh, given you some ideas here. We do have to watch out painting ourselves into a corner. And I've done that with my kid. Um, I need to not do that. And that can be done at an adult level too. We have the mask of compliance, which means um, are they really, uh, do, do they really understand what I'm trying to share about my truth or are they just nod yes to shut me up? This, I see this with my kids, right? Getting mutual buy-in on any kind of a, an issue that has conflict takes the time to listen. And you know what's harder? What's harder, talking or hearing, listening? Which one? Don't we all want to talk first? Isn't our human nature to be the first one to dump, get our stuff out, because we're just so agitated. I, I just got to tell you everything, all my problems. And then I've dumped on you and I'm done. Now, I owe you the responsibility of hearing your side out. And then we go back and forth and share. We have a conversation back and forth about it. We're losing some of these social contexts, these social skills. I'm an extrovert, so I have my way of developing over all these years. I've got my older child who's an introvert and deals with conflict in a very different way. He will hide. He will run away. It's like, man, trying to get the, get this, the, the straight skinny out of Saxton's mouth is an effort. I have to be quiet. 
to listen. Same thing with my, with my John or anybody that's got uh, auditory processing or learning differences lag. So we just talked about phonetic awareness and later on I'm talking about behavior and childhood development. But let's say that, that you're working with a classroom of kids and some of them have sensory integration issues um, and their data lag of the data getting out to expressive language is out of sync with you and you're just tired of waiting and come on, get with it. And then they're all frustrated, which, you know, clamps them down and, and, and pulls them into a fetal position more and more and more. So real communication. Remember they say we should listen twice as much as we talk, right? You guys have heard that. Got two of these and one of these. So it takes self-discipline to not be the first person to talk, to dump. It takes self-discipline to ask enough questions in a calm manner, right? Keep everybody's vagus nervous system and that nice, easygoing undulation. But if I, my hair is on fire and I just blowtorch across something, and then I regret that. Oh, dang it. Now I got to go back and apologize. And I've wasted all that time and to get back to where we were before. So much better to just take a moment. Let them go first. Ask a few questions before I just blow all over them, right? Um, maybe I hadn't thought about it that way before. We say it now. Do we walk in each other's shoes, right? Just because you think we should open up the, st the state doesn't mean that I think we should open up the state or vice versa. Just because you wear a mask doesn't mean that I won't or I will or I'm going to judge you because. Or politics or all these hot issues. I've got half of my friends on either side of each one of these major issues. It's uh, what do I have power over? Me my mask or not, my opening or not, my family, right, and my kids, but um, uh, my vote or not. So all that other fluff and churning and turmoil and everything else that gets us all agitated, I don't have any control over any of that. How about our motivation? Are we... Are we trying to foster, are we trying to grow intrinsic motivation in the people around us? I watch that all the time in parenting. Um, believe it or not, I actually have more kids in my house right now than previously. Long story there. Um, and so I'm always trying to think, okay, don't boss them around. Figure out some way to get them to want to do what I want them to do. Get them to intrinsically want to do that and not me nagging. So, gotta keep one head, one or two steps ahead of that one, right? Not pick myself into a corner, not just go for the mask of compliance, and then as soon as I turn my back, I hear <laughs> going on. I won nothing <laughs> that way. There was no battle or war I won with that one. In the old days when we were studying classroom management, we wanted to be able to grow our classroom management such that when I walked out to go to the bathroom once a week, when I came back, the learners were still doing what they should be doing because that's how they had their self-esteem. That's how they had their intrinsic motivation. There were power struggles. I'm sorry, I'm pointing back down to power struggles. How do we navigate through that, right? Do we listen enough? How do, how, what does trauma and, and grief research tell us? And I've been studying that because of my own personal, what goes on under my roof. Um, most important thing we can do to help anybody come through trauma, and we're going to have more of that when we all get back together again, not less. We're going to have more of that. We have to affirm and listen and let them feel we can't make anybody else's emotional decisions for them. If they felt it, it's a real feeling. We can, we can, we don't enable 
it's just like when my child went through a really hard thing, um, I, I said, I cannot rescue you. I cannot make all these gender decisions for you, but I will always support you. I will always love you. And it was, it was a major act to get that out of his, his heart. And I said, why was that so hard to just tell me what your truth was? It changed everything once he finally believed that I was listening and not judging. It changed everything. And he said, well, that's all there was. I said, what else is there besides that? And he said, that's, that's all there is. And I said, why was that so hard to tell me? Why did we have to go through all of this? And he said, well, fear. He said, uh, Mom, my friends are all getting thrown away for that. So it's, it's, and that's a, that's a young person. So we know that it's happening in your young people's too. The fear, the worry, the, 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 the worry of being rejected, right? Um, and then the bottom right-hand corner, uh, collaboration skills. Okay, you guys got a whole new job ahead of you rebuilding collaboration skills with our kids, right? Uh, in, in all directions. Uh, and with adults, too, we've forgotten, we, we've lost. We're going to have to pump up those skills again. What's teamwork? What should be done by myself that I'm morally responsible if I take my own empowerment and be responsible for the things that I know I should be doing, then I come to a, any relationship as a, the wholest, W-H-O-L-E, the wholest, healest, healingest most put together kind of person that I can be, which is my assignment, my job. And then we enter back into a relationship, a collaboration, a team, a project, whatever it is, with as much possible mutual respect and courtesy as we can. And it's not about a power grab. I win, I win nothing if I try to grab your power. I win nothing. I just let's look, uh, change the slides for y'all. So the idea here is if you're being manipulated by a child, but a child of all ages, of all heights, right, of all mindsets. So the, the point of this is to bring a little humor in to say that if you are being manipulated by someone and if it was in learning differences, then take joy in that because that means there is cognitive functioning going on. So if someone is trying to manipulate you and you could just kind of sit back and smile with the full awareness, yep, nice try, dude. You know, I know you're trying to, or do this, nothing about gender here. Uh, nice try, buddy, that you're trying to manipulate me. I see it. I'm not going to water those weeds. Um, I will state my boundary after I've gotten you out. There's a joy. There's a, there's a, a business negotiation. When I was in business, there was a ploy that was effective. If you can hold off your firepower and let them talk first, get all of their stuff out on the table, then now you know how to combat it or how to address each thing. So there is a special reward in going second or going last if it's a larger group because then you can kind of come in as the wiser person and wrap things up and by then people have gotten their venting done, right? Oh, their vagus nervous system is much calmer now because they've just spewed all over the table, all over you, but don't absorb it. Now you understand more of what they're thinking. And it actually is, a, uh, they've just given a lot of um, manipulation power to you. Not in a bad way. Not that you would use it in a bad way, right? But um, anyway, so it's a cognitive function. It's also an emotional thing of when customers are mad, we would want them to vent. Get all that stuff out. Because it's not until you are in a calm, teachable state that you're going to hear one thing I have to say. If your hair's on fire, that's all you've got. Your, your, uh, your auditory processing, your brain function, your brain stem, your brain is fully absorbed in that hair on fire topic. We got to get that out and relaxed. And then we can probably move on to what I want to talk about, which is, of course, the most important thing, right? Okay, so only you can give yourself peace. We're down to 10 minutes, guys. Guys, ladies, I grew up in Illinois. Forgive me. Guys is collective. Okay, so 
Only you can give yourself peace. I hope that some of these tools are useful, or um, even if even if you have to go and do more digging through uh, the, the PDF that's in the Dropbox file for this class. Um, so we're going to talk about in the flow next. I don't know if you have heard about in the flow, but I love this concept. So this is Dr. Me. Hi, check set me high. So he goes to kindergarten. He's got to write me high, check set me high every time his teacher says, "Put your name on the papers, children." His concept of being in the flow. I don't know if you've heard of this before or not. Um, his, in his TED talk, he handles, he says it this way as far as the math. He calls the, he uses computer lingo, and he says that your CPU there can handle 110 bits per second of data. Now, if you're listening to somebody talk, they are going to consume that load, that cognitive load is going to be 60 CPU or bits per second BPS. And if you're listening to somebody like me that's trying really hard not to talk too fast, then I might even consume more of your bandwidth, right? So if there is also any kind of uh, grief or distraction or fear or worry or anger or any of the other not good things that would be going on in the moment and not specifically part of that give and take of the words, but just the ambience of the goo of the moment, then that's gonna, you're gonna hear even less effectively, right? So if you think that you're in a yelling, 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 you think anybody's hearing that, nobody's, we're, everybody's yakking, but nobody's really hearing um, because your brain can't. From the numbers, your brain can't yet. But the joy of in the flow, so let's talk about the happy consequences of in the flow is that have you ever been in a situation where you lost track of time? Maybe it was a hobby. Maybe for you it's gardening. Maybe for you it's taking a walk in nature. Whatever it is now in this current phase and passage of your life that gives you, oh, you just lost track of time. It was just like your refresh, your reboot. That's your end. That's your flow. And in any relationship that you're in, what, whoever is the recipient of that relationship, if, they, if you can help them become in the flow, then you have got a good, solid, reliable, give and take, the best kind of relationship. It's not the only thing that's important is that selfishly, I am in the flow. Well, yeah, I'm most important, you know. But if your counterparts your partners, your collaborating partners in this relationship can also be in their flow. So maybe it's a division of duties. Maybe it's a division of, of love languages. And someone is the one that gets the, the gift and someone else that gets the whatever else. Physical touch is a rough one these days. But anyway, we all are wired in our own unique way. And we're not really going to be changing who we are as people, you know. So... Anyway, just some thoughts to consider. Personalities, testing of personalities is another thing. Um, this particular one here, uh, the DISC, I, I, y'all probably did Meyer Briggs, right? And so it's not, we're supposed to give. Uh, we're supposed to actually, let's say it the other way around. It's more important that I understand you. It's more important that I make you feel comfortable and happy as far as understanding personalities if I want the relationship to go well. I'm not giving away mine. I'm not abdicating mine. And I know mine, and I know I'm trying to figure out how do we collaborate. What's the best way to make this a win-win-win situation for everybody? But if my understanding stops with me and I don't care about you, then what have I done to myself? I shot myself in the foot, right? I'm losing out on really valuable information. Okay, so as your organization or as your family culture proceeds, it's not going to be static. It's either going to get better or it's going to get worse. Nothing ever just stands still unless you're dead.
But how's the joy? How's the fear? How are you navigating those guys? If we're frustrated, can we communicate that? Or do I hold all that poison, that bile inside until it builds up, right? And it's just that, that sensory bucket is, is just almost to the top. And then that last little straw that breaks the camel's back, and you have a massive blow up. Well, don't you think I should have managed that better back in the early stages? If I knew what my boundaries were, first I have to know them. And then I have to communicate them. And I have to say, Mm. I'm sorry, can you please change your tone of voice? And I do it with a smile because I see this in working with the kids and the people, well, especially now with everything in a hot box, right? But even before, humor is the best, is the best um, redirect. Um, uh, we saw this, remember a long time ago, maybe you guys are old enough to remember the, the Ronald Reagan and the Jimmy Carter debate and, and somebody says something and, and Reagan goes, oh, there you go, Mr. President, or any, you ever seen somebody else use a, a redirect with humor? It's not a put down. It's just, a, oh, come on. It's like that nudge, nudge, wink, wink kind of thing, you know, if you're a Monty Python fan. Um, how do we help de, uh, de, not deflate, because there's something behind it, but we need to know what's causing the frustration. And probably me, <laughs> I'm probably my own worst enemy in this situation, right? We'll talk more about that kind of thing in the behavior chunk. Um, how about everybody's mutual satisfaction? How's that working out? Um, regret. We want the fewest number of regrets in this thing, right? Because that's all hindsight. So let's be smart enough to figure out that if we get just taste of that regret, let's generalize and see, okay, if that happened this time, how can we not let that bad thing happen again? How do we beat that, uh, you know, beat that to the pass? Um, our anxiety. Um, are we being authentic enough? Are we being authentic to me? Am I being authentic to myself? And I'm, am I lying to myself? Am I lying to myself again today? Well, I'm never going to be happy if I continue to lie to myself. And then can I generalize that into, into um, things I can say to the people I'm around that can be taken in the right way and said in a kind way. You know, they say yeah, that sandwich, first you say something favorable and then you say the truth and then you say something else nice. Well, if it has to be that, say la vie, right? But speaking our truth in a kind, quiet, teachable moment, there's nothing better than that. So if I victimize myself, my bad choice. If I empower myself, my good choice, right? Um, so if I have to name it and then set a boundary, if I have to water the flowers and not water the weeds, so be it. But these are my choices, right? How each person acts to stress, reacts to stress. Same, same event happens, but different people have different reactions because of how they process the information, okay? Executive functioning, we manage ourselves, we manage our resources, if we do it right, then that helps us toward mental control, uh, self-regulation, self-control. I got three minutes left. Okay, take out children if you wanna put it differently, but whoever, children, have this amazing way of becoming exactly who we tell them that they are. So if I tell you that you're strong, you will become strong. If I tell you that you're kind, you'll become kind. If I tell you that you're capable, you're going to go, of course I am. I am capable. So if we speak life, joy, peace, um, acceptance, boundaries, non-victimization, not codependence to each other, well, guess what? We're going to grow. That's the village, that's the world that we need to grow for our kids and for ourselves and for our relationships. And you lose nothing by this. You have lost zero power. You have gained power because you've kept your power. 
You never had control over them in the first place. You had influence, but no real control. I've said this a hundred times today, right? Well, not ex exaggeration. I told you a million times, never exaggerate. Okay, we want to water the flowers. We don't want to water the weeds. And oh, this is a temptation. It is so easy to, what? Yeah, it can get distracted, right? You got to redirect yourself back to the flowers. And the next thing you know, oh, you're back over here with the, with the weeds. How come I'm back in the weeds again? Well, I'm back to the flowers. Is the weeds, is the flowers. If I start to get a bad sense of something, then I need to check, am I in the weeds or am I in the flower garden? Because that's of my own doing. Okay. And another one, I've already said this too. First, you name it. Whatever it is, real word, honestly, this is what it's called, and here's when we're going to do it. I may not say we're never going to do it. I may say, okay, that's called, for my son, John, that's called stemming. You can do that in your room. John, that's called playing with yourself. You can go do that in your room. I don't freak out about this. We're right at that stage right now. Say, nope. You go do that in your room, okay? Not that any of your kids would ever do that in your classroom, but that's a silly analogy, okay? So I've said this before. From, it comes from Kane Ramsey. Uh, he's a neuro-linguistic uh, practitioner, um, and that's a type of therapy. So um, if we can uh, take responsibility, then we can empower ourselves, and that's what we want to do for our kids Everybody within whom we are connected, anybody that you want to get along with, anybody that you want to build a collaboration with, and that will make you a very attractive collaborating partner because you'll always be at peace. Okay, last minute. Uh, I, I think I'll end with this. I'm sure I, I know I've got more slides in there for you, and I've given you the website already. I'm going to do this slide, and I'm going to click to the last one in case you want to screenshot. We always run out of time, but that's, that's good. I always have grand expectations of you all. Um, so wouldn't we love this, right? Wouldn't we love to get everything we wanted by jumping in the elevator, pushing the button, boom, we're there. And that was the simple solution. That'd be great. But that's not life, is it? No. We have to learn. We have to learn. And then we, uh, um, we I'm sorry, let's do it. First, we, we learn something and we practice, we learn and we practice, we learn and we practice, and we finally work ourselves up the stairs, right? I guess appropriately the learn would be the going up. So I guess we find where we are and then we learn and then we implement and then we learn and then we master and we learn and we master and we learn and we master. All right, so positive consequences, right? So I promised I wasn't gonna do this, but there, there's a quick flick for you. And now I'm going to take you, this is all the stuff we didn't get to, forgive me. I'm just going to end with this. And if you want to take a screenshot, I'll stay a little bit. I know you guys got other things to do. Thank you for your time. Um, I wanted to put this up for you. Um, I love to do this kind of stuff. There's a lot of resources. Almost everything is for free on here for your families. Um, that's my mom's skin in the game. Peace be with you all. Um, I'm going to stop. Shh. I'll, sh I'll leave that up for one more minute. If you guys need to run, I get it. Thank you for your time. Thank you for choosing this. Um, stay connected. Uh, we do a listserv. I do a lot of social media posts. I share our life with all of its vulnerabilities. Um, it'll make you feel better about yourself. <laughs> tell our stories that most people won't tell and people say oh man I made me feel better about, about myself and that's true <laughs> okay I'm going to stop sharing here just in case if there's any questions and uh, you guys can unmute and ask I'm here Probably something in the chat. I was probably, probably supposed to look for that right now. Oh, yeah, of course. And uh, open up the chat. Awesome. So um, peace be with you all.
keep in touch and uh, have uh, thank you for your time. Bye. I have to end the session to go on to the next one, but I do have two more in case you want to come back. It's on behavior and childhood development. Peace be with you all.